You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Raider Nation, it's time again. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We are back. It is Thursday. It is time to talk Raiders football as they inch towards this weekend's exhibition game, preseason game, glorified practice, whatever you want to call it against the Minnesota Vikings. The first this season at Allegiant Stadium. And to talk about all of that, as always, is my partner, my good friend, Mr. Mo Moten. Uh, All right, Mo, we go to I call it week two of the preseason, but it's technically week one because the Raiders Hall of Fame game didn't really count. It was more of an exhibition. So here we go. But we're kind of into the second week. Yes, sort of kind of. It's the Raiders second week. It's everyone else's first. Uh, Shout out again to Raider dad who's taking 46 plus families to the game this Sunday. Just want to shout him out again. Josh Kamenai doing his thing. Join him in the J lot. If you're going to the game, see what he's all about. Doing great stuff. J lot. That's right. Get out to the J lot. There's all take over. Remember when the Raiders were moving to Las Vegas because of the parking situation, because of the urban setting of Allegiant stadium, a lot of people were concerned about that. Some people won't let it go too. They're still, they're still upset about it, but you're starting to see now into the second season, this culture developed, they call it by the lots and there's an a group lot, just like there was in Oakland. I mean, I'm not comparing Oakland, tailgating to las vegas tailgating not the same but they're starting to develop that culture which just takes time and certainly the j lot go find him go find raider dad give them any support you can even if it's just to stop by to say hello to say hey thank you for doing what you do bring your family bring your family absolutely and show those kids some love and show the organization love because they're doing good now we're going to get into a couple different things today and if you're uh, listening, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are so happy. I won't give away inside information, but this podcast and you, Raider Nation, Raider Nation is just freaking amazing because we are one of the fastest growing podcasts on the network, if not the fastest. Mo and I are are working hard to make it the fastest growing podcast on the network, uh, but you guys are doing it. It's all you. So thank you very much. We're just shocked and and just humbled by how the response has been since the move over to odyssey so thank you but subscribe and then drop us a five-star rating wherever you're listening if you're watching us on youtube we have some fans i don't know why you guys will have to tell me but some just don't want to listen they want to watch and they consume it on youtube and that's cool we're wherever you need us to be we're your johnny's on the spot so to speak does anybody use that if you want to if you want to call us if you want to call us to be in in your living room you know just give us a call we'll do house calls uh, we'll do a live show right there in your kitchen, your living room, your bedroom. Maybe not your bedroom, but uh... oh, 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 Mo, a yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll come into your home. I mean, let's like you know we're family, so we'll come in there. Uh, but but do that for us too. If you're watching us on YouTube, then uh, you know that I'm wearing an Arizona State hat for Mo's guy on the Raiders, right? Darian Butler. Darian Butler. And then mm-hmm. and then uh, I am also wearing sunglasses tonight. Not because I'm old and I want to look like some one of those guys in Palm Beach. No, I it, it they are they are if you can tell Mo, you know who wore these glasses, right? Fill me in. No, no, fill me in. Go ahead. No, I, I, I guarantee you this is a dated reference. I guarantee <laughs> very much you, is, but but relevant this week because these are Elvis sunglasses, okay. right? The big old 70s jaw. Hello, hello, hello. Um, 
They gotcha. and it, it's Elvis week. This is the week they celebrate, uh, or not celebrate, but they remember Elvis because he died on August 16th. So I'm just being sure. goofy. I'm bringing a little of my Vegas hey, 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 to the should, show. Should be a question. There you go. Look at that. Scott, bring it in way, the 40 plus people. There you go. 40 plus. And that one is probably more like 60 or 70. I'm on the young side of that group. Um, <laughs> but yes. And not only that, but you know, a little bit of trivia, music trivia, because I love music. Uh, one of Elvis's best friends until the end of his life is a, a, a beloved R&B singer. Now think of the same age group. Can you guess who it was? They talked on the phone quite often. No idea. If I gave you a clue, like I got ants in my pants. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> you got to know who James Brown is. Come on, man. Of course I do. Well, right. I would. I wanted you to. That that that's your. This is your cue. This is your <laughs> line of. This is your line of uh, fun here. So I'm gonna let you have the stage there. <laughs> anyway, so we move on. But and so we're. If you're watching visually, we're being goofy. If you're listening to us, we're describing. Yes, I'm wearing orange tinted Elvis glasses, along with my yellow Arizona State Sun Devil hat with the with the pitchfork or the Triton. It's actually more pitchfork Triton slash thing. Mo's wearing a T-shirt. Mo, could you show everybody? I'm gonna let me let me get the video here so it's just you. What does that say? Got, Got sources. sources. <laughs> I may not have any. Shout out, shout out to Obi, by the way, who got me the who sent me the shirt. Obi doing nice. his thing at hiddensoul.com. Shout out, so shout out to him. But not that I have any sources, but you know, I just it's oh, a you question do. you should ask on Twitter when someone throws out, you know, some news, some rumors. Just ask them. Got sources, so I just, that's why I'm wearing this shirt. It's an ode to that. And it's in the it's in the script for those listening. It's in the script of the Got Milk font yes. for those of you who are into graphics. And yes. so it, it's very cool. But Mo, you have sources. You're just not a breaking news guy, so you don't have to use them. You just use them for information. I mean, I mean to make people, you better. People chirp in my ear, but I'm I'm not a news breaker. That's not my lane. As I said on Twitter this week, that's not my lane. Yeah. I hear things, but I don't I don't report news. I leave that to the reporters. I'm an analyst. I'm a guy who gives opinions, not breaks mm -hmm. news. And that that's what we do too. I mean, even even when you think about it, and we talked about it a little bit on the last show, which is you have all these content creators, fan content creators, and all this stuff, and they do that clickbait stuff. And I don't I don't use clickbait as a a negative all the time. I'm just saying what it is. And so, it, you know, that day there's a fight in practice. That person's got a video up saying who won the fight and it's got them over, superimposed onto a Rocky image, right? You know, that kind of stuff. That's what drives video on YouTube. If we did that stuff, our channel would probably be three times the size it is, but it's not, we just don't do that. Right. And so that's yeah. fine. Everybody's got their own stuff. And and this is just as a this is just kind of like a, a spinoff of, off of the Josh Jacobs trade rumors that went wild. <laughs> over the past week i actually have an article coming out on bleacher report well it's out already uh if you want to read that i basically explained why the josh jacobs trade rumors are just absolutely silly and God why it doesn't make sense uh we we did a show our last show basically on you tuesday had the, yeah yes you had the clever header uh josh Ray, yes basically saying it's all bullcrap but yep uh, i put it in written form if you guys want to read why it's bullcrap and i explained it uh very thoroughly so check that out on bleacher report when you get a chance yeah and and that's the point like it, it is you, you, fans can talk about it somebody can mention it once but the way the internet now is it just catches fire and people get overly excited about it which Mo, I'm you. Mo's getting so good at this, right? Um, I called the segue in the biz. Uh, so that's going to segue into a little bit of a rant. And I got into some, I wouldn't say arguments, some heated discussions with folks over another stupid rumor. Excuse me. I'm not calling you stupid if you like it. I'm just saying it's a stupid rumor. Okay. Let me clarify. I'm not calling anybody stupid. I call myself that sometimes. But other than that, listen, Roquan Smith. The Bears, there was a rumor comes out, oh, Roquan Smith wants to be traded. He's mandatory. He put actually, he put out a statement saying that, right? He wants to go. So instantly, instantly, and I'm not saying the Raider fans are the only team that does this. I think a lot of fan bases do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got to go get him. We got to go get him. Uh, let's go. Kendrick Lamar needs a new record contract. Raiders should sign him. You know, I mean, come on. Like, it's, it doesn't matter who the name is. If they're a top-end player, everybody says they should go sign him. 
But I kept laying out why it won't happen. And if you look at Dave Ziegler and his MO, it doesn't work either. To which then I got the fallacy stuff, which is, well, he went out and traded for Devontae Adams and he traded Yannick Agakwe away. And it's like, but they're not comparable. So, Mo, let's start to talk about this because, again, and I'm not insulting anybody. I'm totally fine with debate. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat a shoe. I don't care whatever you want me to do, okay? But I'm just telling you, people have to look. As a fan, you're so passionate. And and, and we talk about it all the time. Raider, Raider Nation is the best and so passionate. And more than that, Mo, they want to win. They are so hungry to win. So I'm not insulting anybody. But let's look at this as a chessboard, not a checkerboard, okay? If we look at the Raiders, they're not that far away, but they're not quite there either. They're not one player away. If they were one player away, okay, you give up some future draft picks. You take on the contract, even though he's, he wants a bigger contract because he's coming to the end of his rookie deal. But, Mo, let's talk through logically why this just doesn't work, despite the fact that they could use him on the field. There's no question but why it doesn't work and why we don't see Dave Ziegler doing something like that. I have two reasons, two reasons why it won't happen. Now I will say context. I didn't think they would trade for Devonte Adams, but it also, me either. We should, we should also note that Devonte Adams wanted to play for the Raiders. He on, he yes. kind of didn't want to play. He was, he wanted out of green base. That was part of it. Roquan wants out of Chicago, but Roquan looks like he just wants a new deal. That's appropriate for his production on the field. And there are two reasons why I don't think it happens for the Raiders. And the first one is you already have a linebacker that supposedly wants a new deal in Denzel Perryman. So how would that look if you're bringing in another another linebacker and then paying him on an extension? Because Roquan is not just going to play on his rookie deal. He wants that extension. He's probably going to be paid like a three-player at his position, which means you're going to have to pay him about 18, 17, 18 million per year. So real quick, let me interrupt you before you continue, though. To that point, though, because I saw that point discussed amongst Raider fans. Their point is, well, Perriman's older. We get a younger guy. How do, how do, you, how do you deal with that question? Here's the thing. If, if you're going to bring Roquan in and pay him, then you're going to have to deal Perryman because basically it sets a bad president in your life. You're going you're gonna to take care of a guy from another team right. before you take care of your own. Because if you look at what the Raiders have done this offseason, that's been the running theme to take care of their own first. Hunter Renfro gets an extension. Derek Carr gets an extension. Max Crosby gets an extension. Yes, they brought in Chandler Jones, but they needed a guy on the other side that they, they basically swapped Yannick and Gawkway for Chandler Jones. So you're letting a guy right. go and bring another guy in. So that's why I say if you're bringing in Roquan, why are you keeping Denzel then? Because he's going to say, well, you brought in another guy, you paid him. We're, you know, I, I had a Pro Bowl season last year. Where's my money? You know, so it just <laughs> it could just it could just rub guys in the locker room the wrong way. Although you paid a lot of your guys, I think the Rays would rather pay their guy than bring in another guy and pay him more because Denzel Perryman is not going to cost as much as a Roquan Smith. Again, right. Roquan is probably going to get top three, top five money at his position. And to your point, and you've said this a lot, you just can't pay everybody. You know, yeah. as the three guys that I just mentioned on the roster got extensions. They also extended Devontae Adams after they acquired him. When you look down the road, you're going to have to penny pinch at other positions when you pay certain guys. And I think the linebacker position is a non-premium position. It's not like an edge rusher or a quarterback or a wide receiver. Those are premium positions. Yes. Those are key players. Linebackers are on the bottom of the totem pole along with the running back position as far as when it goes to premium value. So I don't see the Raiders trading for a non-premium pre- pe- premium player and then extending him on a lucrative deal that would make him top three at his position. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what the one of the points I was making, Mo, throughout the week was exactly that too. When you look at because everybody focuses on well, it's $21 million, $22 million, $25 million in cap. Well, guess what though? Again, you're looking at it in the short term. You're talking about a longer term deal, a player, a younger player to your point, who's going to get top three money, number one. Number two, you have to take care of Darren Waller. If you go out and trade for Roquan Smith and give him a deal before you give Waller a deal, you think that's going to help you with Waller and his agent? Do you think he's going to feel good? Do you think that's going to help the locker room? No, not at all. Second, I look at this, and that is after this season, depending what happens, there's going to be, I don't think there's any question, Mo, based on their declining fifth-year options on Abram, Jacobs, and some other guys, that they're going to have some 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 pretty significant roster turnover. They're going to have to go out and get some more bodies. 
draft, yes, but also free agents. It could come in the defensive secondary, defensive line, wherever it may come. So they're going to have to uh, a lot money in those spots. And I just am concerned that fans often think that this, because there's $21 million there, you can go get anybody you want. And here's the other thing about that $21 million. I, and I said this on Twitter, and I, I also have an article on this out. I think the Raiders need to sign an offensive tackle. Now, what if they want to spend oh, yeah. money on, on an offensive tackle, which is a premium position, which is more valuable than a linebacker because that's the guy that's going to be protecting your quarterback on the right side. Then you want to spend money there. And then you want also want to have money going into the season because you're going to have to deal with, you're going to deal with injuries. Players out of the line, you may have to sign guys after the preseason, after final cuts, during the season. You have to keep money on hand just in case you deal with injuries. So you don't want to spend it all up. You want to have, you, you want to address your spots that we have question marks, but you also want to keep money just in case you have a situation. Now, to your point about the long term, the Raiders have question marks. And a lot of people would agree with this. The Raiders have question marks at offensive tackle, what I just mentioned, and at cornerback. Now, what if next season they want to spend on, at both positions and not draft the guy? What if they want to get a veteran and spend a little money there? Yep. You want to have that money freed up instead of tying it up again with a linebacker because it's not like the Raiders linebacker position is terrible. As we, as, as I just mentioned, Denzel Perriman is coming off of a Pro Bowl year. I know he's older, but he's coming off his best season. You got a young guy in Divine Diablo who a lot of people have been high on. They signed Jayon Brown. If you can get a bargain at a position, you don't need to spend at you know top dollar at every spot on your roster. No, absolutely. And by the way, uh, just a reminder, tomorrow uh, on Friday – Morning, we'll have a, our, one of our new extra podcasts, by the way. They're shorter, but it's all Q&A. And we have a question about linebackers for tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow, and we'll talk a little bit more about the linebackers. Yeah, and Mo, I, I think that's the thing, too. I, I also saw a lot of, well, trade draft picks, right? So we, we know the Raiders traded draft capital in the Devontae Adams deal and other deals as well, including even Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham had a, a draft pick. Yeah, it's a sixth-rounder, I think, or seventh-rounder. I can't remember, but one of those. Uh, and so draft capital. And so I had somebody come back with actually a good argument against me. He's like, well, you say they don't do this, but look what, look what the, um, look what the Patriots did. They traded draft capital all the time. Again, situation similar. I'm not going by what the Patriots always did. I'm going by what I've seen uh, um, Dave Ziegler do. And also the fact that this team, again, when you're rolling people off the roster that are coming into their fifth year and they're coming off their rookie deals, this is where the, the salary cap stuff comes in. They're rolling off the, the deal. You might go get some veterans, like you said, Mo, great point. But then they're going to have to go get younger players on those, on those rookie-type contracts so that they can keep their star players, right? So they all work together. It's like a teeter-totter. And so when you, when you up, uh, up the ante on some of these veteran players, you got to fill your roster with some younger talent on those rookie contracts. That's how you do it in the NFL. Absolutely. And just a case in point with a cornerback position, Rocky Asin, Anthony Averett, Trayvon Mullen, all those guys are in a contract year. So even if they don't go out and get a different guy, and let's say one of those cornerbacks that they have right now plays well, they're going to have to pay one of those guys. Yeah. So yeah. You, again, you just a good roster has a balance of high-paid stars and guys on a rookie deal who are outplaying their contract. You just have to have that balance. You do. And, and again, it goes by position in the NFL. It's not 1986 where linebacker, the game was different. And so, yeah, a Lawrence Taylor, you know, yeah, you pay him whatever he wants. I think the Raiders are in a different position and they just took care of a bunch of guys, including their quarterback, the most important guy on the field. And so they have to be careful. Yes, they're building that defense up, but you're going to have, you have a lot of question marks. You don't know if Trayvon Mullen, as much as I love the kid, you don't know if he's going to make it, if he's going to come back and be able to stay healthy. So there's a lot of question marks. So they need to keep some, some salary freedom there for the future. So good. All right. Well, that's the end of that discussion. And that means we're going to take our first break. When we come back here on Silver and Black today, we're going to delve into some more things around the defense. Patrick Graham's scheme. We've seen it now in one game against uh, Jacksonville out in Canton. Now they're getting set for the Vikings this weekend in Las Vegas. What is that scheme look like so far? How's it been? And uh, and what are what can we learn so far in the play that we've seen and stuff coming out of camp? All right, we'll come back right after this. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey Original podcast. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We talk Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders football for all of you out there. Raider Nation, thanks for joining us. If you're not in Raider Nation and you're thinking about uh, uh, defecting from your current team, go ahead. Although Raider fans, they're going to make you fill out an application and make sure you're the real deal before you can come over. But anyway, if you're listening, if you're a competitor, if you're a Vikings fan and you're checking us out, welcome to the purple people eaters uh, here as we talk about Raiders football. Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you here on our Thursday edition of the show. We are now delving into the defensive side of the ball, Mr. Moten, and we're going to talk about Patrick Graham's defense. You know, we talked in the offseason when he got hired about this hybrid defense and how he moves it and it morphs around. But more and more, you're starting to see, we saw a little bit in the game here, and I think observers are saying, taking a look at it and saying, you know what, he's saying it's not a 3-4, but it mostly looks like a 3-4. Give everybody kind of a basic level breakdown of what you've seen at this on this defense and what Patrick Graham has done thus far with his sets on the field. Well, first of all, I would say I would say be careful about judging on what he's going to run based on one game because <laughs> I think during during the regular season is really going to be matchup based. Where some games he may run mostly odd man fronts, some games some weeks he may run mostly even man fronts. You may see five man fronts. Uh, so I think it's going to change based on the opponent, and that's what you want to see. You want to see a defense that's able to adjust to the opponent and their strengths or and or weaknesses. So. You don't want a guy that just rolls out his defense, good or bad. This is what we're playing, and that's it. You want a guy who can adjust on the spot based on the opponent. So, again, I know we saw a lot of – probably saw a lot of all-man fronts against the Jaguars, but it doesn't mean that's what you're going to see during the regular season. You also have to note that a lot of guys have been missing. Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, those guys are out. So he doesn't even have – he's not even playing with a full deck. But I will say is that you did see a changeup of, of lineups. You did see a mixture. I think Murph pointed out with guys coming on and off the field, different personnel groupings. And again, that's a good sign. And that speaks to what he's been saying all along when people ask him, what type of defense are you running? Is it a three-man front? It's a four-man mm. front? And he just says, yes, yes. And he always <laughs> says multiple. And I think that's exactly what you're going to see. Now, for the people out there, who were wondering what Cleveland Farrell's role is going to be. I think this is great for mm. him because in a four-man front, Cleveland Farrell could play strong side defensive end. And in an odd-man front, he can probably stand up and rush the pass on the outside if Max Crosby or Chandler Jones need a break. So I think it's good for that defense just to have multiple sets, get different guys involved. Yeah, uh, and, and to me, the modern NFL, that's where I think people get hooked into this. They're looking at, okay, we know 3-4, we know, even if you're just, and, and again, Mo and I have a lot of conversations offline, and one of the things I always talk about is, for, for those of us that cover the league or cover football more in depth, we get into the heavy X's and O's sometimes. We watch the the the, the, the film, right, that, that you hear about and all that stuff. Most fans don't. They just have a basic level of knowledge, and that's totally fine because you're just watching the game. You're enjoying it. But most people know 4-3, 3-4. They know nickel. They know dime. They kind of know the general terms. But in today's NFL, the way the offenses operate, and I think this is key, the defense has to change up. And this is exactly what Patrick Graham does. It's going to be matchup-based. So you might see them, to your point, with odd man fronts. And then in the next game, it's completely different. It's based on who you're who you're running up against. And now defenses in the NFL, 
when the offenses went a little hog wild, it took a few years for these defensive coaches to see what was going on, to see the evolution of these spread offenses. Now they know, and now they're scheming against it. So you're seeing a completely different set. By the way, quick note, Brett Favre didn't know what a nickel defense was while he was playing in the <laughs> NFL. So if you don't know what a nickel defense, don't feel so bad because Brett Favre no. didn't know either while That's he was funny. playing in the league. But anyway, yeah. um, I think it's I think it's also important to understand that with the Raiders defensive line, they let a lot of guys go. Quentin Jefferson's out. Solomon Thomas is out. Uh, Darius Phylon, I believe, is still a free agent. Torres Patella Tennis is probably why. But they bring in new guys, and I think these guys that they brought in, Bilal Nichols, even drafted Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler, who I've been raving about, those guys allow are going to allow Patrick Graham to play different fronts and draw different looks to opponents. So I think that that's part of it. But I, I just want to see in this Vikings game coming up how he uses those guys. Do we see more even man fronts this time around with the Vikings? How the Vikings going to play their guys? So I think it's going to mm -hmm. be interesting to see. There's not a lot to see because Patrick Graham, by the way, doesn't have a long resume. I believe this is only his his third or fourth year third. as a defensive yeah. fourth, third or fourth year as a defensive coordinator. He had one with yep. the Dolphins, I believe two with the Giants. So I think going into his fourth. Yeah, going into so his he fourth, doesn't, right. Yeah, doesn't have a long track record. So we could, you know, you, you're kind of like, what are we going to see? You're not, you don't know what to anticipate. So I think a little bit of an element of surprise. I do think he he's going to blitz a lot more than Gus Bradley did, which yeah. I think is a positive for a guy like Jonathan Abram. I know we talked about this offline, but Jonathan Abram, I, I feel like he is what he is at this point. He's a box safety can help you in run support but i think he could be useful on blitzes and i think you're going to see a lot of, a lot more of that with patrick graham so i think the, the transition from bradley to graham is going to help him a lot more than a lot of other players yeah and, and this also fits into uh the position in the first segment we talked about roquan smith and how linebacker is not a a, a a a smart spend right now for the raiders and this is part of the reason too right not that you don't need linebackers because you have perryman there we talked about uh, Divine Diablo as well, uh, but it takes on a different set. When you have a set 4-3 defense, for example, and, and you have the same look over and over and you're committed to that, it, it's different. It, it, it means that you put more stock into certain players, into certain positions, depending on what you're running. Um, so this changes that, right, Mo? So, so you have the defense. I mean, obviously, defensive front's always important, whether they're in odd man fronts or not. And, of course, the ends, which they upgraded on. But all of this works together in 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 the scheming and the coaching and the philosophy you have there too. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if if my guy Darian Butler continues to play well, you won't need a Roquan Smith. I'm not comparing him to Roquan. <laughs> I'm not saying he's on that level, but I'm saying that the Raiders can feel comfortable with the linebacker group that they have without bringing in another star player. But to your point, I I think it's going to be interesting to see how again how this defense morphs through the preseason. I'm going to look a lot more at the defense. Of course, a lot of us were looking at the offensive line and how they're going to play. Of course, Brandon Parker hasn't been at practices, so we'll see what happens there. But I'm going to be looking at the defense, and I hope a lot of more guys are healthy because, as I just mentioned, Blau Nichols and Hankins missing on the defensive line. On the back end, too, you didn't have Avert on the field. You didn't have Rakia Sin on the field. Mm -hmm. So you want to see you want to see those guys play. Of course, Trayvon Mullen still recovering from his uh, surgery. But you want to see more guys play before you have a hard opinion about, okay, this is the type of defense they're going to run. Because, again, they're they're running not even with a full deck. They're running with less than half of a deck maybe of their starters there. So interesting to see how it pans out against the Vikings. Yeah, and some fans are, are worried about that uh, with the injuries. But remember, they started a week earlier than everybody. Everyone else is rolling this weekend into their first preseason game and coming off just their second week, uh, week and a half, of camp. So the Raiders are ahead of that. And so I wouldn't worry. I mean, if you get down to the, the that third or second preseason game and some of these guys aren't getting better or you're getting news that they're getting better, then I might be a little concerned. But overall, the timing on this works in the Raiders' uh, favor because they started earlier and you got to see how those guys get up. And, and again, it's camp, so you're going to have injury anyway. Um, and you're going to have roster adjustments, I think, as you go along. They have obviously swapped out some some kind of uh, a roster filler wide receivers this week and some other things. So, so we'll see how that goes. But when quick, you look at, go ahead. And quick point too, I want to make about Amik Robinson because he was talked about a little bit on my timeline. Cause I said, I, I like to, I love to hear the buzz about him at, at training camp. And you know, so we've heard this before, it's, you know, he's good at camp and then he gets out in the field and he gets burned. But uh, Patrick Graham likes to have a hybrid slot 
cornerback type of defensive back. And I think Amik Robinson could fill that role. Of course, you worry about his size being 5'8 on the outside. But if he could play in the slot and be that slot safety type of guy that he had, that uh, Graham had with the Giants, I think Amik can play in that role and, and be effective. A lot of people aren't don't want to hear it again because we've heard Amik looking good at camp or for a few practices and hasn't done much during the season. But I will say this is a third year. is a critical year, and a lot of players sometimes – pop in their third year you're not going to get a max crosby or a hunter renfro a day three pick who pops right away sometimes right. it takes a couple of years sometimes it takes three years for a player and and someone on my timeline brought up cliff branch i believe he had 290 receiving yards by the end of his second by the end of his second year didn't pop yeah. to his third year so were you giving up on cliff branch after his second year and he didn't do much gotta <laughs> give these guys some time to develop no question. And and we just all, and I'm putting myself in this too, uh, although I'm older, so I think it's a little lessened, uh, is we don't have attention spans anymore. We want everything now, right? Everything has to be now. So we look at these guys. And again, Raider fans all coming from a good place. They want their team to win yep. because their team is so important to them. So I understand it. But you're absolutely right. Amik Robertson, a guy I am big on too. And I'm telling you, I really believe that Talent is talent. He has the talent. You talk about the size. I get that. But coaching. Yes. Okay. It's been a disaster on the defense the last few years. And, and I give Gus Bradley credit for at least kind of trying to stabilize it when he was there. But, but the Paul Gunther crap, it, you know, it ruined guys. I really believe that. It was, not, it was not conducive to them doing what they wanted to do. So Amik Robertson comes into that. And then he's got Bradley last year, right? So, so I'm you give the kid this chance, and I think he'll come through. But that goes Alex Leatherwood. We talked about that ad nauseum the last five shows, I think, about offensive line. Same thing with Alex Leatherwood. Everybody's well, we got yes, I agree with you, Mo. We got to trade, or or if I'm if I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm thinking we got to trade, or we got to go get somebody off the street to upgrade and and build depth at that position. But still, if Alex Leatherwood doesn't start this year and comes in as a rotational guy and learns and does better and then pops in year three, too. I know where he was taken, so I understand the pressure there. But again, he, he's, he's, you have him for five years or for four years. So, mm -hmm. so you have to let him try to develop, whether you know, know that or not. Brandon Parker, people have given up on. We don't know what his status is. He's injured, clearly. But I get that because now he's at that stage. Like, you've seen it. And you said, okay, dude, you've had these chance after chance after chance. Right. And you haven't popped as much yet. So we get that. But with Alex Leatherwood, it's only year two. Absolutely. And the same thing, with, like I said, with Amit Robinson. He's going to his third year. Remember, he came in in 2020 during that COVID year. They had an abnormal offseason. If yes. you remember that? Didn't oh, yeah. have a regular practice schedule. And if you look at John Simpson, I think John Simpson is going to be a solid left guard. He's starting to pop. And he's going He's going his third year. He's in that same draft class in 2020. So, And he started all year last year. He still took, it took him three years to pop. Amik Robinson has had spot duty basically his first two years. So I just want right. to see what he could do in a preseason game with a, with a full workload and how he, how he looks in Patrick Graham's all defense. And there's so many, I mean, Lester Cotton, another great example this year, right? Slated Perfect as a starter. I, mm -hmm. I know that the depth chart means nothing right now, but, but he's been playing well. He's there right now. Yep. Expectation is um, he's going to get a spot there somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, so again, another good example of that. You cannot give up on these guys so early. Uh, I understand the need. So the need creates the desire to have it happen quickly. Urgency. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you can't compare every case to another case. You can't compare Colton Miller to Alex Leatherwood. You just, it's apples and oranges, not just because uh, one's a big white hoss and the other kids from the South and African-American either. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's just the fact that they're just not comparable. So I, I caution fans on that. And, and, and Mo, you're absolutely right to have that discussion, but it's also an NFL wide discussion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you said, in general, fans are just, most fans are impatient because they want it. You know, they want to see guys now and Amik Robinson to me could have been a day two pick had he because he came into the league with an injury too by the way right right uh, he, he did say that he slipped because he felt like he slipped because he had that injury so a lot of people want to see it now but as I said on Twitter that it, unless you have to dump a guy because you got a, a loaded position with a bunch of stars you give a guy with talent a chance to develop and I think he, yeah. as you said I think he's got a shot this year 
No doubt about it. Okay, there you go. A little bit of talk about Patrick Graham's defense and the Raiders overall on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to take one more break, and then when we come back, we're going to delve in. We're going to do a little round robin. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff on this Thursday morning slash afternoon whenever you're listening to us as we head towards the weekend. Yes, the weekend starts tomorrow, and then you got Raider football uh, coming up uh, this weekend as well on Sunday at 125 Pacific, 425 on the East Coast. You're listening to Silver and Black today. He is Mo. I am Scott. We'll be back right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Thursday edition. We're in the home stretch. We're going to do a Ron Robbins segment now. We talked about the defense we talked up front about uh-uh, Roquan Smith isn't worth it. He's not coming to the Raiders. I will eat a shoe if he does, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and I meant that. Or if you want to bet me $100 on Twitter, hit me up. I'll bet you $100. We'll set a date, and I'll win some money. Let's do it. Uh, Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten with you here. Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Do us a favor. Subscribe wherever you may be. We appreciate that. That supports what we do here, and we appreciate your support thank you all right so mo let's jump in uh to some 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 general stuff i looked at um the game coming up against the vikings i looked at the depth chart not a lot of change there obviously we talked about brandon parker being out we haven't had any update officially on if he's on ir there was an erroneous report earlier that he might be on ir there's a lot of video people out there saying he's on ir and he's gone for the year not true we have not heard that yet from the Raiders, uh, but you look at that offensive line with with Simpson, James, um, um, and Lester Cotton, and then of course having uh, Brandon Parker. He's listed on the depth chart, uh, but we've he's not practiced all week. Jermaine Illuminar. Let's talk about him. Actually, we did, we haven't talked about him. Uh, when you talk about Illuminar, uh, he has played really well too. You commented to me actually after the last game, boy, there was some really good spots, and and you felt maybe he wasn't getting enough. Uh, I wouldn't say hype, but he's not getting enough credit for how well he played at times. Yeah, he played well, I believe, on both sides of the line. And I even before the preseason, I said, I think Jermaine Illuminar is the dark horse to get that right tackle job because he played the position under Josh McDaniels in New England. And I thought he held his own out there. And if, if Alex Otherwood is not up to it, Brandon Parker, as as you just mentioned, not practicing. Uh, as you mentioned, the report said that he was on IR. I'm not saying that he's not going to eventually be on IR, that he's not hurt. Apparently, he is hurt, but he is not on IR as we are recording this. So just take that you know, at yep. face value right now. But 
Uh, I think Jermaine Luminar is the guy you want to look at. If he plays well again against the Vikings and throughout the preseason, I think he could still win that position, especially if Brandon Parker doesn't return anytime soon. I think it opens it up for a battle between Luminar, who's a veteran, and Alex Otherwood is going to his second year. So with a guy like that who's experienced and a veteran, that that's great insurance, but I still would say the Raiders need to go out and get another offensive tackle just for the depth. Yeah, and then also this week that made some news, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it because fans, <laughs> we mentioned at the top of the show and fans really liked it, was uh, we had a scuffle, a kerfuffle at Raiders practice the other day uh, between Max Crosby and rookie Dylan Parham, and there was all sorts of funny memes and who won the fight and all this kind of stuff. To me, that is a good thing coming out of camp, right? Because they, and, and they asked Parham about it at the press conference. He had, he, he was part of the press conference on Tuesday, if I remember correctly. And they asked him about it. He said, Hey, you know what? We're out there. We're fighting. And we took care of it in the locker room. <laughs> right. That's what yeah. you want to hear you. And, and by the way, it's hot. You're in camp. You've been working your tails off. And if you're a rookie, you got Max Crosby and and look, Max is awesome, but Max is talking trash. You know, he is to the rookie and he's trying to teach him a lesson and they're trying to, to, to get them to understand what it is to be a professional at this level. And so that, that boils over sometimes and you get some fisticuffs, but I, I look at that as a good thing. Uh, and it shows that the kid's got some spirit and he's not going to back down even to a wily veteran. Yeah, competitive fire. That's all that is to me because our camp fights are more common than people think. Of course, he gets play mm -hmm. on Twitter. Because it's like, oh, fight, fight. But it's, it, you know, as as Parham said, you, you fight it out. You duke it out on the field. You go back to the locker room. You patch it up. Your boys, you have a drink. You have some food. And you talk it out. It's over. And you get over it. What you don't want is guys getting hurt from these fights right. or lingering bad blood. That's when you have a problem. Yeah. Now, Mo, we talk about uh, uh, Sunday's game. It's the last game of the preseason week one uh, with the Raiders uh, being the latest game on that Sunday. Um, when you look at this and and we saw what we saw come out of Canton, we talked about that uh, obviously over the last two shows uh, on our post-game show and then, of course, again on Tuesday after we had time to watch film. Now, you look at this team going in and playing at home for the first time in the preseason um, and, and knowing what they need to work out. We're still looking at that offensive line and what's going to happen there. What else on offense do you want to see uh, in this game as far as progression with this offense starting to click and work together, knowing that most of the high-end starters are not going to play? I want to see one of those wide receivers get out there and claim that wide receiver three position. Uh, T. Billy dropped a big catch in the, in the first game. He said he owes Raider Nation one. I felt like he could have separated himself with that catch. He's got to go out there and he's got to redeem himself. Uh, Matt Collins, I believe, had one catch in that in that, in that Hall of Fame game. Uh, Keelan Cole got banged up, of course, but he's going to be okay. Didn't have a ton of production. Uh, but you want to see someone, Demarcus Robinson even, he's included in that group. You want to see one of those guys claim that spot just in case, again, you need the depth to, to fill out that position, to round out that spot just in case Hunter Renfro isn't available, just in case Devonta Adams isn't available. And I think the Raiders really would want a big play receiver, and that's why I stick to saying that's why I think T. Billy Tyron Johnson is going to claim that spot because he is the big play guy. I know he's wearing number one, so he looks like Deshaun Jackson out there, but he has the speed. He just needs to get it together with his hands. If he does that, he'll be the guy. We also saw in the game against the Jags um, that we saw more of the, the, the two, three, and four tight ends when you look at Bowers. Horstead and of course Foster Moreau. Um, I think I need. I, I want to see more there too. I want to see more of those plays designed for tight ends and and see who shakes out there. We know Foster Moreau is entrenched as the number two. I believe uh, they're committed to him. He has the talent, all of that stuff. But but past that, the Nick Bowers, the the Jesper Horstead, um, um, those guys. I want to see them use more. I want to see who emerges there. It's it's one of the only question marks on the offense that I can think of. Keep an eye on Jacob Hollister. I think he's. Ah. I think it surprised a lot of people. He he's been in New England, and he had a couple of productive years in, with the Seattle Seahawks as a pass catcher. So I think he's a sleeper to watch. If he pops, uh, he could probably beat out one of those guys for the third spot on that on that depth chart. Maybe the Raiders keep four tight ends. We'll see. There you go. Uh, Mostradamus speaks um, as we as we go along. Of course, we'll see more of Jarrett Stidham and Nick Mullins. Uh, Stidham did such a good job. I anticipate that, that he'll get more. I wonder if they're going to give Mullins more time 
this game, or do you think they're just going to go with with Stidham uh, and that maybe, just maybe, I know it's really early that he's built up that lead because he knows the offense, because he's close to McDaniels, uh, and he performed so well in that first game. I would think the coach staff will want to keep that going with Stidham just to see him pan out because he had it rough in New England, didn't do much there. So just to see him come around and look good in that preseason matchup, I know it's just a preseason Hall of Fame game against the Jaguars, but you can only play well against the competition in front of you, and he checked that box. So I think he's probably going to get the first crack and then Mullins get the second half maybe, and then he'll flip it on the following week against the Dolphins. Maybe Mullins gets the first crack and Stidham gets in in the second half. Absolutely. And then, of course, everybody's still excited. There's still a long honeymoon with Zamir White. And and I, as I said early in the season, I think Zamir White's going to be on this roster. Whether and, and now I think he has a better chance of making the actual roster instead of just being on the practice squad. Or he might be on the practice squad, depending what they do, um, based on other positions that they feel are important. Uh, but But the kid's excited people. He runs hard. And so I anticipate uh, we might see more of him uh, this time than we did. He got plenty of time last time, but I, I think that they they really want to make him get into the rhythm and into the field. Yeah, and I'll say this again. I believe I said this last week. I think it's a 0% chance Zamir White goes in the practice squad after what he did. I know, again, I know it's just one performance, one outing, but a guy like that who's basically, I want to say a replica of Josh Jacobs, but he runs similar to Josh Jacobs. That's not a guy you want to leave out there in a the practice squad, even if you're if you're protecting him. But as you say, he's going to get a lot of run. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs is also going to play because, as I wrote in a mm-hmm. piece today, Damian Harris, who is the lead running back for the Patriots, played in all three preseason games last year with the Patriots. He had 14 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. So mm-hmm. I don't want to hear the Josh Jacobs trade chatter raised to a high volume again when he takes the field Sunday against the Vikings and again against the Dolphins. This is standard procedure for Josh McDaniels. He wants his running backs to get on the field and feel the hits get tackled because he said you can't simulate that at practice like you can simulate it in a live game but back to Zamir White I think he's going to continue to look good and I think you're going to continue to see that one two punch with him and Jacobs look great and possibly balance that offense this year so let me ask you that question a player we both like and talked about last year before he got injured was Kenyon Drake how does Kenyon Drake get carries yeah, I, I was actually high, and if you could be wrong in the show, I actually was high on Kenyon Drake coming into the preseason. I felt like he could do a lot better than he did last year, my, even with, you know, coming off of an ankle injury. But I believe he only had five carries for nine yards in the preseason game, got nicked up, had to come off the field. Just one outing, but I think with the emergence of Zamir White, if he looks good again, mm. I think Kenyon Drake is going to just be more of a pass catcher uh, along with Brandon Bolden. Third down. And, and yeah. just and have very few carries and you just leave the carries to Josh Jacobs and Zemir white as a one, two punch. Yeah. And then we switch sides now, Mo, and we talk about uh, Sunday's game with the Vikings uh, on defense. Um, uh, clearly we just spent a lot of time in the first part of the show talking about linebackers, uh, D- divine Diablo, of course, out there as well. Malcolm Kuntz um, at end did well in the last game, Cleveland Farrell. Um, we, we talked about it weeks ago that, that he's not going to get cut because of the, 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 the money involved okay. here. But, but do we need to see more from him uh, than we did in Canton a little bit? I mean, he played not significantly, didn't make any significant play, had some pressures, but Malcolm Kuntz actually, to me, was a little more impressive. Uh, what does he have to do? Does he, does he get maybe some more snaps here, or, or do you think that maybe he's going to have trouble cracking in there? Well, he's, he's you know, missed practices because of injury. So mm-hmm. I think he, he definitely, has to get on the field um i think just because he's going to be playing a very role as i just mentioned earlier in the show i think he'll be on a defensive line in certain packages and i think he'll be rushing standing up from the stand-up position rushing the passer too so i think he has to get out there just to get himself used to playing multiple positions so i would like to see him hopefully he's healthy enough to take the field and show something out there but as you said he's not going to get cut just simply because of his contract it's just a matter of how many reps is he going to get? How many snaps is he going to get behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones? Because Kuntz, as you said, a lot more impressive than people thought. I believe he had three pressures in that in that game against yeah. the Jaguars. I wouldn't pencil him as a third edge rusher yet because I think the Reds can maybe entertain bringing in a guy, another edge rusher. Who knows? But uh, Cleveland Farrell just definitely has to get out there just to get himself you know, used to that defense and Patrick Graham's scheme. And finally, based on what we saw against Jacksonville, 
uh, defensive backfield. What, who are you intrigued to see based on how they played last week uh, to build on and to continue to maybe gain some momentum? Not a lot of people are talking about this guy, but Darius Phillips. Uh, yeah. He, he combined. He, yes, he combined with Tyree Gillespie to force a fumble. I believe Ron Harmon picked up that fumble. I recovered it for the Raiders. I want to see more from him. Uh, looked at as a special teams guy, but he could play in the dime. Maybe he could play on the outside and inside. The Raiders moved him both to the slot and to the boundary. So if he looks good against the Vikings, maybe he has a bigger role than a lot of people thought. I believe he had three picks in one year with the Bengals. So he's not he's not he's not as slouch as people think he is. He can play on defense if you need him to. Yeah, no question. Uh, that'll be good. Uh, uh, so we'll see. We'll see who gets in. Obviously, it's still game number one. I, I don't think we'll see until that third game. Uh, some of these starters maybe get in and get a series or two. Um, probably not on offense. I think Derek Carr might throw a couple passes in the last game, uh, and that's about it as usual. Uh, but because of Josh McDaniels and his difference, and some of these positions, you'll start. You'll see these guys, and I think the offensive line will continue the grind because they got to figure it out. Uh, and they haven't made any moves as we record the show right now. So, so who knows what's going on there, but we'll, we'll see as we get uh, further along into this preseason. All right. So now Mo mentioned, uh, you know, guys fighting on the field during camp. It happens. And then they go in the locker room, they have a drink, they have some food. And it blew me away because Mo and I have disagreements on food. We have disagreements on mint chip ice cream. <laughs> I think that's really the only thing, right. And, and the coffee ice cream thing, that, that's it. But that's correct. You you <laughs> insulted those of us from the West Coast when you talked about In and Out being trash, being as bad as McDonald's. And I, I just have to understand it because you know we have a lot of Raider Nation is worldwide, but we have a lot of listeners on the West Coast, clearly. And mm-hmm. and that is sacrilege, my man. So so tell us, you've obviously had In and Out. So tell us why you think In-N-Out is terrible. Go. You know, it might have been strong on Twitter. I I, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I realize that I'm on the stand right now. You know, the, the, the beam is on me. But I just felt like, okay, I may have had, you know, some French fries or whatever from In-N-Out. And I just felt like, you know, a little overplayed. But I'm, I'll just say this. I'm on the, I'm on the East Coast, okay? So we yeah. don't have In-N-Out over here. So maybe nope. I need to try it a few more times. So In-N-Out is not over here in New York City. Oh, but, some openness. Yes, I'm being honest here. But I will say, I love Shake Shack. Love Chick-fil-A. I love and the Shake Shack. Yeah, I do too. Both. The, the, minute, the minute I had both of those, yeah. I immediately fell in love. I didn't immediately fall in love with In-N-Out. You know, so that's no, and and I love Shake Shack and actually where I'm in, in Ohio. Now they're actually building one down the street, which is very exciting because they don't have any here at all. We had them in Vegas. And of course, when I was in New York and when I was doing when I was in boxing at at Barclays in Brooklyn, there's one right across the street. So that's where I would go for my pre-fight meal every single time uh, to Shake Shack. So so I love Shake Shack and and Chick-fil-A, obviously. And we have Cane's. You guys don't have Cane's up there, do you? We don't have but canes are chicken fingers. I don't eat chicken sandwiches at canes. I always tell people because people get in arguments. I'm like, no, canes for chicken fingers. And I like the fries because I like crinkle fries. And then for sandwiches, you go to Chick-fil-A, especially the spicy. Right. So so I get it. But in and out. See, that's the thing, too, is it's sort of like the Biggie versus Tupac. Right. It's the East Coast, wow. West Coast. Right. I, yes. And so 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 you grew up on the East Coast. So you think East Coast hip-hop is better and if you grew up on the west coast you think west coast is better and in reality they're both good but nonetheless so you go so you go from the east coast to the west coast and i forgot the 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 guy on twitter who brought this up and did the list but but you remember his (laughs) who it was aj comatose aj comatose that's right thank you very much so aj shout out shout out to Um, to aj uh, even though his food takes soccer. Anyway, so 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 <laughs> you go from you go if you're if you're in New York or Baltimore or DC wherever you may be and you go to the West Coast you oh in and out I got to go in and out. But you're a five guys greasy tin foil guy with the greasy bag fries which I like too by the and way. See, and see I'm not a five guys guy either. I I, no. I just feel like to me I feel like the fries are kind of dry for me but that's yeah. just my opinion. 
Yeah. Uh, I've had, I actually worked near a five guys and people at my job loved it. I wasn't, I was, yeah, it's kind of in between with it, but AJ actually yeah. is out there in the West coast. So if, if he's saying it's trash and he's out there, he's in the vicinity. Is he from the East coast though? Stuff. He is. He, I think he's from yeah. the DMV. I think he's from the DMV area, but he's okay. There you yeah, go. He's there now. He's, he's on the West coast now and, and he would know better than me. I, now I want to also clarify a quote. I didn't say that in and out was the McDonald's of the West coast. That was someone who tweeted at <laughs> me and said that who also lives on the West coast. I just yeah. co-signed it because I don't love in and out by the way, I don't eat McDonald's either, but um, yeah, I, I stick with Shake Shack, Chick-fil-A. Those are my go-tos for burger fries. If I want that, that that's where I'm headed to. I'm not, I, even if they I, were I, to build an in and out here, I'm not sure I would gravitate toward it. So, so two things. One is I will eat a fish fillet at McDonald's. Number one. Number oh, two, and maybe that's my the growing up as a Catholic. You know, Fridays you didn't have very many options, so you got fish wherever you could get fish. But secondarily, the thing with In and Out that we have to make clear, and I think this is what people don't understand, because if you haven't lived in California, I grew up mostly in California. Is when I was a kid, and we would ditch high school. Yes, I would surprise. That's why I didn't get into Harvard. I ditched high school. Um, <laughs> We would drive because back then in San Diego, we didn't have in and outs. The closest, the closest one was in a, a place in Orange County called Mission Viejo. So we would literally ditch to go to In-N-Out for lunch. So, so food, like music, right, has a connection to memories. And so the thing with In-N-Out was that's so for me, it's a memory, number one. But number two, In-N-Out, it's California, man. Everything's you know, natural man. How you doing, man? So, so in and out is very clean. If you eat it, it's very clean. So people who are used to a more robust burger, that's got greasy and all that kind of stuff with a, a shiny bun and all, they don't, they don't necessarily like it because they're like, what is this? You know, it's actually all natural and it's cooked to order. And it's this. so, so I think that's why, but in and out, I'm sorry for my West coast peeps. It's it's sacrilege to say that it just is. Now I'm not saying there's not people on the West Coast who don't like In and Out because there are. There's plenty of them, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that one that one surprised me, and I'll stick up for that because I lived on the West Coast for so long. I got so sick of East Coast bias, and now there's East Coast bias on burgers. It's Biggie over Tupac over here, people. <laughs> Pick a side. But In -N -Out I will tell you, or Shake Shack. <laughs> yes, I will tell you in California though, Mexican food. Don't even get me started. Because Baja Mexican food, because just like food in the United States, it's regional, right? So if you go to the Northeast, you get certain food, right? Pizza, hot dogs, I'm talking just, just street food. Uh, whereas you go to Mexican food in the East Coast or in the South or in the Midwest, it's very Central Mexico. It's red sauces. It's spicy. On the West Coast, Mexican food is from Baja, California, so it's much different. So a lot of people go out there, they have Mexican food, and they're like, what is this? What's this shredded beef? I want ground beef, right? What? So anyway, so I think that the regional differences in food are interesting and, and people are adventurous. They want to try them, but they necessarily don't rank them higher because you're used to what you're used to. Maybe I have to spend two weeks on the West Coast and maybe I'll, it'll change my <laughs> mind. I'll spend, well, if I there, spend two weeks on the West Coast, I'll eat in and out every other day and I'll report back to you. So, so a couple of things about in and out Number one, the highest grossing in and out store in the entire chain is on the UNLV campus. So I used to go when I was in school there. It's literally on the campus, okay, right on the edge. And then the largest neon, freestanding neon sign in the world is the In-N-Out sign right off of Tropicana and I-15, just down the way from Allegiant Stadium, In-N-Out. And then, last, last fact, they are building a new In-N-Out right across the street from Allegiant Stadium. So that tells you. I sense a little, I sense a little bias here, Scott. <laughs> it is uh, next next week i'll wear my uh in and out t-shirt on the show no <laughs> anyway but uh but anyway so so that's okay but but then we'll have to someday get into new york versus chicago pizza oh that's an easy that's an easy debate new york oh, all the way well, yeah, it's a very easy well it debate. depends that's a very very easy debate. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it as well uh but that was it we, we were by the, just by the way in and out if you want to sponsor the show I, i'm not against that um, if you still in and out, the door is open. Yeah. If you want to sponsor the show, feel free to DM me. We can talk this out. Hit the DMs. Um, <laughs> some people have girls. Most got fast food chains. 
but <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and our, our salespeople at Odyssey, I will send them a note and saying, Hey, in and out Mo's on board. If, if they start feeding them and like FedExing them packages, he might like it. So let's, yeah, let's get that done. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, but no, there's also an in and out right down the street from the Raiders headquarters. So it's everywhere. Um, all right. So that's going to do it. And, and I, I have a feeling we might have a question about food in tomorrow's show on Friday's show, which is our Q and a show, our mailbag show, our email show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we may have a question about food. Who knows? I, I would guess because we talk about it so much that we will, but that's going to close out this show. We will be not only uh, back tomorrow with the Q and a show, but then of course on Sunday evening, we will do our post game show uh, after the Raiders and Vikings to give you our first take. Of course, Murph from Raiders Fan Radio will be with us. He'll do our Voice of the Fan segment. Uh, and he is a really well-informed, educated fan. And we got such great response on that. So thank you guys for the feedback. We're looking forward to having him on as well. So uh, that's going to close it out. Mo, always fun. We'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Yeah, we'll talk tomorrow and we'll have your questions. We will. And, and maybe Mo will answer some of them. Maybe one or two. <laughs> doesn't, mean, doesn't mean you'll get the answer you want, but he will answer them. Yes. Because yes. we're here to serve. We are servant leaders. We're ready. We're here, All right. Here for the community. That's right. Raider Nation, baby. Okay. Uh, so for Mo Moten, I am Scott Gobranson. This, of course, has been silver and black today make sure you subscribe to the podcast audio wise wherever you get your podcast or on youtube here if you're watching us so thank you very much for doing that you guys are awesome we have the best listeners and best viewers there are we appreciate you more than you'll ever know so thank you thank you thank you until tomorrow friday our q a show make sure you stay safe out there make sure you're good to one another raider nation and we'll talk to you tomorrow <laughs>